Hello and welcome to Journal Sessions on the Bold Love Podcast with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. Journal Sessions is a weekly podcast that features a look inside Pastor Bob's journal on the things that he is thinking deeply and praying deeply about among some stories along his journey. And on this week's episode, Pastor Bob goes into of stories of his time on the gridiron on Goathead Hill in East Texas playing football and talks about that as an illustration on you have to be willing to take the blow. Take a listen. I want to talk to you today about taking the blow. What do you mean by that, Bob? Well, when I was in the eighth grade, I moved to Lindell, Texas, where my dad was the pastor of First Baptist Church. And I was a big kid. Now, you got to understand back then, there were only about a thousand people that lived in Lindell. And so the high school wasn't real big. I graduated uh, in a class, I think, of 85. And so when they saw this big strapping guy show up in this little town of a thousand in a one a 1A school, they got all excited and thought, man, this guy can probably play football. And, and this is just going to be wonderful. I've never done any sports my whole life. And so I went out to uh, try out for the team. Of course, if you tried out, you got on. There was in a town of a thousand where you where you need a 12 football players. You just prayed you would have at least 20. And that's what we had show up. So I grew up playing both ways and so forth. But but I was horrible. I mean, I was out of shape. I didn't I never ran. I never worked out. I never exercised. And so when we started working out, Man, my mouth would get thick. I'd get thirsty, and you couldn't go over to the water bucket, stuff like that, till the break was. I'd never experienced that, and it was hard. And so they had five teams. All of them came together from the middle school and the high school to work out together. So they had the five strings. I'm sorry. And so I wasn't even on one of the strings. I was one of the substitutes. I was that bad. And so uh, there came a time where somebody got hurt, so they put me in. So the next thing I know, over time, I wound up on the third string, but I wasn't any good. And I hated the workouts. Hot, sweaty, people hitting you, beating up on you. I mean, I'd grown up in Texas, and maybe we played Texas in football, but I never had. It was just rough. So I remember one day we were out on the field. We called it Goathead Hill because it was a poor school. And so the football field was nothing but stickers and goat heads. And you'd get down in your football stance and you'd, you'd, you'd hurt. I mean, your fingers because they'd get, you know, splinters in them, all this kind of stuff. And so we were hot and sweaty and I was just mad. thought all those guys beating up on us, picking on us. I've had it. So, so I was, uh, you know, calling them to the huddle. I, I don't know how we ought to do it, but I said, guys, I don't know about y'all, but I'm fed up with this. Those guys, they get to go get water breaks. They start, they get to do all this stuff. They beat up on us. I've had it. Have y'all? And I've really got mad. And they started saying, yeah, we've had it. I said, let's rip their heads off. I mean, if we're going to be out here and they're going to run off us, over us, it's going to hurt anyhow. Let's make them hurt. Let's make them pay. They said, yeah. And I said, so just run and knock the snot out of them. Just hit them as hard as you can. I mean, you're going to get knocked down anyhow. Why not just throw yourself into it so we all start screaming? <laughs> you know, take them down, you know, rip their heads off. And I know they were just looking at us laughing, but we were angry. We were tired of being the dummy team, you know, that held the dummies. Everybody could run into or get run over for all these plays. And, and this is no joke. When they snapped the ball, we exploded off the line. We were on defense. We pushed them back. We knocked them down. And so immediately I got them in the huddle and said, didn't that feel good? Let's do it again. So we did it again. And literally 
We whooped up on the first and second team all afternoon. Now, a couple of things happened I didn't count on. Number one, I got put on the first team because we had motivated them, and so did three or four of the guys. But all those other guys I was working out with, they weren't big or they didn't have speed. All they had was anger. That was it. I had anger plus size. So what happened with those guys is they wound up having to stay on the other side. So now I'm on the first team and I'm defensive tackle and I'm offensive tackle and I had to go against them. But I, I'd come to like these guys. We complained together. We griped together. We sucked together. And so now I'm on the first team and my thought is, I don't want to hurt those guys. There, there's little Kenny Kelly. I don't want to hurt him. He's a little bitty guy. There's my best friend over there, Jerry Terry. I, I don't, and I remember getting down in the stance and Jerry was in front of me and his eyes were shifting and I could tell he was scared. I thought, I can't kill Jerry. And so I, di I didn't let him make the tackle, but I didn't hit him as hard as I could. I let him go ahead and hit me. I took the blow so I wouldn't have to hurt him. I didn't let him get me in trouble and tackle, but I, I took the blow. And, and you know what I discovered? A lot of those guys that I loved, I'd take the blow. And, and I remember playing football. If I'd go up against some kid that was scared to death, oh, poor little fella. I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to make him feel bad. So I'd take his blow. Now, I did my job, and I didn't let him tackle, you know, the quarterback or something like that. But I took the blow. You know, as I've gotten older in life, one of the things that I've learned is sometimes you need to take the blow. Sometimes you take the blow because you really don't have a choice. Other times you take the blow and you do have a choice. Instead of arguing with somebody when they come at you and they slug you, just take the blow. It's not always necessary to say something. I used to think on Twitter, I had to respond to everything people said to me. I don't do that anymore. I say what I want to say. And sometimes people I like will challenge me and they'll get negative, but I'm not going to argue with them. I've discovered in life, sometimes we have to take the blow. We have to take a deep breath and just say, you know what? It's not worth it. Or you know what? I'm going to take a blow because that person, they need success right now more than I do. That situation, it demands something. Can you take the blow? Can you be made fun of? Can you be laughed at? Can you be challenged? Can you be scoffed at? Are you willing to be ignored? Are you willing to get out of the way so somebody else can shine a little bit more? Sometimes we have to take the blow. And sometimes in life, we take other blows, like something really hurt us. And we just suck it up. I know we live in a culture where we've got to tell everybody how we feel. I get sick of journalism. How did that make you feel? I don't care how it made them feel. Dang it, you're a journalist. Tell me. The story, tell me what's going on, not how you feel. We live in this very feeling culture. Do we have the level of maturity that we don't have to give words to every time that we hurt? Can we be mature? Sometimes can we just take it and not say anything? When a relative gets upset with us or someone that we work with or somebody that we care about, or maybe somebody we don't, are we mature enough? Or are we strong enough just to just don't say anything. Just leave it alone. Just walk on. Just move on. Man, I'm a Texan. You slap me, I want to slap you back 10 times. I want to let you have it. But sometimes being a Texan and being a follower of Jesus really aren't the same thing. And when I read the Sermon on the Mount, 
in Matthew 5, one little phrase, it says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I say to you, do not show opposition against an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn and let him slap the other one also. And if anyone wants to sue you or take your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, let him go two miles. Go, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. He's talking about taking the blow. Now, there are times you need to stand up. There are times you need to speak out. I get that. I'm talking about you and I personally. What, what does it mean to take, the old, take, take that? I think we have to deal with our emotions if we're going to take the blow because, man, you get emotional. You act out of your emotions. You'll do all kinds of things. You have to be able to handle pain. And sometimes we want to make the pain go away, but sometimes we need to rest in the pain. We have to deal with perceptions. We're worried. How are they going to see me if I don't respond? What are they going to think about me? They're going to think of you what they want to think of you. All the defense in, your, in the world isn't going to change sometimes somebody's view of you. You have to have the ability to handle loss. That's not very American, is it? I mean, we want to have this culture where we get it all and we take it. And so you've got to have a different perspective if you're going to handle this pain in your life. It's just different. Uh, if you're going to, it's one thing I would say to overcome the obstacles that lead to success. Quite another thing to endure pain for righteousness sake or for a noble cause. Jesus does that on many different occasions. Paul does it. I mean, I mean, all throughout the Bible, people in the Bible do that. Church history is filled with that. It seems like we live in a culture today that we want to master everything but ourselves. Mastery is seen not just in the consistency of your behaviors, your character, in your disciplines, but life mastery is seen in how you respond to life. How do you deal with crisis? How do you handle things that are difficult? What does it mean to experience that? And so, Think of me what you want to. Ignore me. Disrespect me. Abuse me. Is it really worth always standing up for what you think you ought to receive? I don't think so. And I think our whole life, we always have to deal with that. Uh, can you allow people to think of you what they will and you still be okay with yourself? Uh, that, that, that's one of the things about taking the blow. Another thing about taking the blow is, can you get out of the way and let somebody else be successful? Let somebody else flourish. You know, one of the things about that's good about being 65, there's not a lot, but one of the things that's good about it is every decision you make, everything you start, everything that you do, from the moment you do it, you've got to think about who's beside me on this. So you're not going to be around forever. I mean, hey, don't misunderstand me. I'm going to work forever till the moment I drop dead. But I've also got to ask who's beside me, who's leading in this, who's going to push it forward? Are there others that are around you? Sometimes we have to take the blow. Sometimes we have to be overlooked. Sometimes we have to step back. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's celebratory. But I'm telling you, one of the most critical things of faith is your ability to take hard blows. Now, it's going to demand 
that you're secure in who you are, first of all. Most people are not going to take the blow who are insecure. They're not going to share the pulpit. Uh Uh-uh, somebody may like their preaching better. They're not going to share the limelight. They may quit talking about you as much. You've got to be secure in yourself. Not to challenge somebody who's saying negative things about you or not to get into arguments. Are you secure enough in who you are? You know who you are. doesn't matter what other people think about you. Eh, one of the other benefits of being 65, you know you have this sense of what really matters in life and what doesn't. It also demands faith that, that God is who he says he is. And that if, like John the Baptist says, I decrease so Jesus can increase, that doesn't mean he said I decrease, I don't go away. You still matter to God that you're making room for somebody else or that you're facing persecution because of something else for doing what's right. You know that God is in control and you are not by yourself. He has not forgotten about you. We look at people who are successful in life, especially sometimes in the ministry. It says, wow, God is really with them. Hey, let me tell you, pastor of 50 or or 100, I don't care who you are. God hasn't forgotten about you. I'm going to tell you something. God loves you just as much as he loves Rick Warren or N.T. Wright or Tim Keller or God doesn't think less of me because I don't have the platform of some other pastor or some other leader. That's why your identity is in Christ, your faith is in Him, and you're also a part of something bigger than yourself. You know why I think it's hard for us sometimes when we don't shine like somebody else does because we think it's about us. But when we know it's about him, it's far bigger. Some of you know I'm obsessed with renewal right now. I've been reading all this stuff. And it makes me sad when I look at church history that we make it all about Jonathan Edwards. It was far more far more people than Jonathan Edwards, far more people than Freelinghausen and, and, and Tennant and the rest. So we have, to, we have to think a little bit different. So the epitome of the Christian life is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. But I also love John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, than that he would lay down his life for a friend. What does it mean to give your life or to take the blow for the sake of somebody else? I'll never forget, I was going to Afghanistan once, and I'd become very close friends with this man who, whose dad, as bluntly, was a warlord tribal leader, call him what you will. And I came to love this man. Every time I'd go, he'd pick me up and so forth. And I had heard that uh, they had killed his father. And so I wanted to go check on him. And so I didn't tell him I was coming because I knew he would send people at a particular airport to receive me. And for different reasons, it would be very dangerous for him to be there at that airport. And once I got to that airport, I was going to have to get to where he lived. So I had my Pashto clothes and I was literally just going to get on a small little bus with some other people and get to where he was and just let him know I cared about him. So I made all the arrangements. I get everything put together and I get to Afghanistan and I'm walking off the plane down the steps and who should be at the bottom of the steps, but my friend. And I called him by name. I said, what are you doing? Why are you here? This isn't safe for you. 
I said, I came to honor you because you lost your father. You didn't have to come here. And it was very dangerous what he did. He said, Bob, you're my guest and you're my friend. You've come all the way from America to honor me. I'm not going to honor you. And so I'm with him in his small little Toyota SUV. And, and it was very unsafe what he did for him and frankly me, because he was a very significant man. And people were upset with his family. It was very dangerous. And, and you know what kept coming through my mind? John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, than he would lay down his life for a friend. And I thought, except for Jesus, who's ever put their life on the line for me? Just this one guy. He's not even a Christian. He's a Muslim. But he's more concerned about my security than he is his security. And he's just lost his dad. He was willing to take some blows. I don't know we live in a culture very much where we're willing to take the blows. We want to tell everybody about our pain, our suffering, how we were a victim and somebody did me wrong. We want to exalt ourselves. We don't, we don't want to get out of the way for somebody else. We want to promote ourselves. Sometimes the greatest blow that you can take is the one nobody ever knows about where there's pain that comes from something or a decision that you make that's costly, but you do it. If you do that, you're going to have to be like Jesus. You're going to have to have a garden to pray in. I mean, he sure did, as was his custom. We talk about the Mount of Olives the night before he died. He went to that garden many times to pray. He would go and pray many times at night. You've got to have a garden to pray in. And then you're going to have to identify that cross that you're going to die on. You're going to lose something. But look, whatever you lose, you've gained far more. I mean, guys, this is not our home. This is not the way things are going to be forever. There's going to have to be something that you're going to die. You're going to have to go to a cross. Jesus didn't want to go to that cross. But here's the good news. There's a tomb that you're going to be coming out of. There's a resurrection in place. When you take the blow for somebody else, you're part of celebrating that you were a peacemaker, celebrating that you were able to lift somebody else up. Go Say what you want. Go through all of that stuff. It all matters. In the end, here's what it boils down to. A big theological word called epistemology. What do we know? What is truth? And we're good at defining truth in terms of theology. It says, this is what I believe. But what about epistemology in terms of how I live? Not just knowing the truth, but living the truth. And there's another big theological word. It's called it's a philosophical word. Both of them are ontology. What is the meaning of all of this? What is the meaning of life? And I think what happens when we refuse to take blows a lot of times we're living in the flesh and we can justify fighting back, fighting for our spot, fighting for our place. But when we take the blow, what we're saying is, I'm a part of something far bigger than this life. God has me. God loves me. This is a momentary thing God has called me to do to encourage, to develop, to endure sometimes. All of those words come into play in taking the blow, different ways of taking blows. 
But the point is for God to be glorified. If he's glorified, hey, I'll take any blow you want. Take the blow. Practice taking the blow. There is no greater model of self-mastery and of walking with Jesus than your ability to take the blow. Thank you so much for joining us for Journal Sessions with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. on the Bold Love Podcast. If you were impacted by this conversation, we would like to ask a favor. First, if you found this episode impactful, please share it on social media and recommend it to a friend. Second, like most podcasts, we are able to make these impactful conversations happen with support from partnering organizations and individuals like you. If you felt led to support these type of conversations, you can do so now and give at support.boldlovepodcast.com. Whether it's a single gift or a monthly donation, we are so thankful for you. For more information on this podcast, show notes, and any other references, you can go to boldlovepodcast.com to get all the information there. We appreciate you joining us. And remember on the Bold Love Podcast, we encourage you to live out your faith boldly, learn how to better love your neighbor, and learn how to relate to others despite your differences without compromising your faith. See you next time.